Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From movie set to multiplex, it's the business of film with James Cameron Wilson. Silent breed is people! Hoo-ah. Mother of mercy. Is this the end of Rico? This is Simon Rose. You join us for the business of film, where I'm joined by James Cameron Wilson, a man who does not like spoilers and probably wouldn't have enjoyed that little clip from Sword and Cream, which does give away the entire plot of the movie. I apologise for that, James. Well, I, I, I do know what it's all about. <laughs> no, oddly enough, not a film. All the films I used to go and see, the, the 70s films, the alternative films, when I was young, you know, it was essential to these things like Sword and Green and Brewster McCloud and all these films, you never hear of them anymore. You do not. I haven't heard anybody talk about Robert Altman's Brewster McCloud for a very long time. <laughs> well, uh, let us talk about well, some of the films nice that are it. current. Uh, you will be pleased to hear. I actually went to the cinema this week. I went with my son to see the Spider-Man movie before it vanished forever. There were two oh, of us you? and there was one other person. And that was oh, it. Oh, really? Well, I, I've seen four films over the last week. And I've only seen one cinema go. Wow. It's really sad. And I saw The Phantom of the o- Open in a massive auditorium. And mm. there was just me. <gasps> oh, but I think... I, I would hazard it's not a good title, but I do want to see the film. Right. Well, I think it's a combination of... We had a very sunny weekend. There's a lot of yes. national belt tightening going on because yes. of... the the rise in the standard of living. Oh, well, the decline in the standard of living. living. Yes, decline yes. in the standard <laughs> of living. And of course, the rampant COVID strain of BA2 mm. has obviously had a huge impact on cinemas. And well, it was down again last weekend by 39.5%, in spite of the fact that we have five new films in the top 10, which I will be telling you about now. Okay. Inevitably, at number one, we have The Batman, which made another 3.3 million quid, down 55% for a total of 32.6 million pounds. Now, as you know, I was not a fan of this film. And you said that you'd seen some rather good reviews of it. I saw one very good review that made me think, oh, perhaps that's worth going to. And then I heard from you and decided perhaps I wouldn't. I'm hearing more and more people who are agreeing with me and saying, what a slog, what a bore, Mm. how depressing it is. Pretty much agreeing with what I said, which is very satisfying, because I saw some really good reviews of it and thought, well, I'll stick to my guns, I'll be true to my word. Bring back the spirit of Adam West, I say. Well, indeed, which you won't find in this film. (laughs) We have a new film at number two called Jujutsu Kaisen Zero which is a prequel to Jujutsu Kaisen, which is a manga cartoon about a teenage sorcerer. You're looking very pained. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> okay. It's not what I was expecting a number two, I suppose. Well, nor me. And I saw it advertised and I thought, this really doesn't look like my cup of sake. And mm. I'm not a huge manga fan anyway, so I avoided it. But I'm amazed to see that it's up at number two. And it made £825,529. Um, yeah, that's 825 and a half. Well, yeah, that's a lot of not a money, not a million. Mm. But these are dark days for the cinema. At number three, we've got Uncharted, which is the strongest holdover of the weekend, down 43%, even so, with a total now of 22.7 million. We've got another new film at number four, which is an offshoot of a TV sketch series called Catherine Tate's Nan. This is the Nan movie starring and co-written by Catherine Tate. The film was accused by critics as being disjointed, revolting, and in the words of The Guardian, brutally unfunny. It made £565,000. Interestingly, and this may speak volumes, there is no director's credit, although Ooh. both Catherine Tate and Josie O'Rourke apparently had a hand in it. This sounds like a disaster, and I avoided it. <laughs> oh, dereliction of duty. I know oh. my girls did love Catherine Tate when she was on television, but uh, yes, it doesn't. My it daughter seems too. Like something of, seems like something from a little bygone era. You wonder why the demo, you know, the time for doing this movie surely was 10 years ago. Well, I, um, I know. No. Now, it used to be that when directed, well, perhaps more in America than here, that when um, directed and want to be associated with a movie, they would sl shove another name on. I can't even remember now who it is. Um, but they always decided not to bother. I know, I know. It doesn't look good. I mean, Josie O'Rourke, who's still got an executive producer credit, hmm. directed Mary, Queen of Scots. So she's a top talent. But I really don't want to go anywhere near this. <laughs> it sounds too much like Dirty Grandpa, which was also dire. Oh, with Robert yes. De Niro. Yes, yes, absolutely. But we do have a well, new almost film. everything with Robert De Niro now is dire, unfortunately. Well, a, a lot of it is. I mean, The Irishman was. So, I mean, I've seen The Irishman so many times that when I finally did see the real The Irishman, I just felt I was watching brilliantly made stuff that I was so familiar with. Mm. We're talking about, that, of course, Scorsese's film with. Yes. Anyway, um, number five, we have another new film, The Phantom of the Open, which, excluding previews, made £394,000. Just four weeks ago, we were treated to a new British film about a real-life English eccentric who captured the public's imagination in The Duke. And we now have another screwball, if one is allowed to even use such a term these days, this is the story of a crane operator from Barrow in Furness mm. in Cumbria who managed to achieve the highest score in British golfing history, which actually is not a good thing if you know golf. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, with the threat of early redundancy, Morris Flitcroft spotted Tom Watson win the British Open on TV and thought it all looked quite easy. What he hadn't reckoned on was the expense of the game, the membership, the clothes, mm. the equipment, all the golf balls, and the fact that he was in the wrong class. So The Phantom of the Open is as much about classism and snobbery as it is about chasing one's dreams, however absurd 
they may seem. I wouldn't have thought it, but The Phantom of the Open is directed by Craig Roberts, whose previous work has steered more towards a stark realism and tales of quiet desperation. Not mm. that Morris Flitcroft isn't desperate, but there's a good, de de good degree of more sentimentality than I usually associate with Roberts, who previously directed Just Jim and Eternal Beauty. Augmented here by Isabel Waller-Bridge's surging score. This is the sort of film in which only the biggest pop songs of the day can be heard on the wireless. And when the Flitcroft family sit down to their Christmas dinner, it is snowing outside, of course. <laughs> it does every Christmas, James. <laughs> Not that there isn't much to amuse, but I didn't really believe in these people. For a start, Mark Rylance is a little too old to play the 40-something Flitcroft, mm. particularly in the flashbacks when he's even younger, mm. even when complaining of his arthritis and lumbago and other such handicaps, which he fills in in the form, which, of course, is not the handicap they're asking for. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's the narrative. <laughs> well, it's the narrative that is compelling, based on mm. a true story, of course. I hadn't heard of him, but in which, against all the odds, Morris Flitcroft manages to circumvent all the loopholes put in his path by the golfing elite. Yes, I heard. I mean, it's, it's sort of an Eddie the Eagle type of story, which also involved a good deal of classism, I think. I wished it um, was Eddie the Eagle. It's uh, not that sort of story. Uh, it's unfortunate you mentioned that, but it wasn't that long ago we were treated to another real-life sporting movie, King Richard, which dealt with not... Mm dissimilar odds and ingrained snobbery and a very convincing and moving film it was, which The Phantom of the Open really isn't. Mm -hmm. and, and golf has always proved an uphill struggle at the box office. Even Will Smith and Matt Damon couldn't. Yes, though I have a great fondness for um, Tin Cup. I'm not sure that was a big hit at the box office either. I don't think but... it was one of Kevin Costner's yeah, no, I, biggest crowd-drawing films. No, but I enjoy that. I've seen that many times. In fact, well, course, now that we talk about it, I'm going to watch it again. I think it's been, been several years since I've seen it. So that's oh, something to look forward to. Time. But maybe I won't look forward to Phantom of the Open in that case. No, I was very underwhelmed. I just found it sentimental and unconvincing and peopled by caricatures. And Mark Rylance does not have the pulling power, I think, of Helen Mirren and Jim Broadbent. Mm. Not in the cinema, anyway. I think on stage, yes, but not yeah, in the cinema. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, very quickly, we need to move on. Uh, number six, we've got Sing 2, which was at four, down 49%. And we've got a new film, X, at number seven, which I won't dwell on, but the letter X is likely to mean different things to different people. But to the writer, director, editor, and producer, Ty West, I suspect it's meant to conjure up the X certificate. And in fact, I had to laugh when the classification box came up at the beginning, pretty much everything you could expect in an X film was there. Uh, extreme gore and sex, drug misuse, uh, swearing, everything is in this film. Uh, of course, in America, the X was replaced by the NC-17 in 1990. And in this country, the UK, it was mm. replaced in 1982 by the 18. And I think a lot of people won't get this film. X is set in 1979 in the middle of nowhere in Texas, which should give older viewers and horror historians pretty much an idea of where, where things are likely to be leading. Mm. And we have, okay, we have got three couples. They're out to make a cheap porno and they hire this place in the middle of nowhere. And they're very scantily clad, but unfortunately the two elderly 
farmers who own the property are Bible bashers and do not approve. It, it opens with the old academy ratio. And what it's trying, it is a homage. Let's not beat any. Okay, it's a homage to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm -hmm. And so it is very, very bad on purpose. But I think a lot of people wandering into the cinema, particularly teenagers, won't get it. And I think, what is the point of making a very bad film? It is very, very gory. Mm -hmm. um, and it's got some good actors. I mean, Mia Goth of Suspiria fame and Jenny, Jenna Ortega from Scream, a couple of mm -hmm. young Scream artists. But I was not involved in any way. It, it's just nasty and badly made. Okay, well, let's uh, progress down the chart because there are other things you want to talk about. Indeed, we've got The Duke, which was at number five, now at number eight, down 55%, with a total of £4.5 million. We've got another new film at number nine, The Kashmir Files, an almost three-hour historical drama in Hindi about the Kashmiri pandit genocide. Mm. And at number 10, we've got Dog, which was at number six, down 50 seven percent with a total of 3.2 million pounds well james that's uh it, it doesn't sound like uh if the hot weather's continuing that anybody really ought to come in out of it to go to the cinema uh, in a hurry we'll take a breather because i know there are other things you do want to talk about when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. I'm in conversation with James Cameron Wilson as we discuss the business of film, which is not looking staggeringly healthy this week. But James, there are things you're keen on, I think. Well, yes, I did resort to streaming yet again, where the best stuff at the moment appears to be... And I would like to talk about Fresh, mm -hmm. which is just out on Disney+. Plus. It's not an easy film to review, but I will do my damnedest without giving too much away because I'd already seen the poster, which I think gives too much away. And it is so surprising and so fresh. Anyway, I knew very little when I went in to my living room, but <laughs> I, did, I did know it had an 18 certificate. In fact, it's been quite an 18 certificate week for me. And I knew that it starred Daisy Edgar Jones. Now, Daisy Edgar Jones is English. The film marks the directorial debut of Mimi Cave. It's written by a woman. It is supremely stylish and is a female commentary on the dating scene. Inevitably, then, Promising Young Woman jumps to mind and the two films do share a similar vibe. However, where promising young woman scraped at the higher end of what is permissible within the limits of a 15 certificate, fresh is full out 18, which means, Simon, I strongly advise you not to see it. Okay. Fine. Okay. 
Well, for our overseas listeners, I should explain that Daisy Edgar-Jones is the star of the hugely discussed BBC series, Normal People, in mm. which she played the Irish student, Marianne Sheridan. On film, she had a supporting role in the little scene, Pond Life. So to land the lead in a high-profile Disney film like this is a huge step up the celebrity ladder. Mm. And she is terrific, as is the film. In fact, I'm not sure I've seen anything like it. And it kept me guessing until the very end, when I find myself still guessing. Daisy Edgar-Jones plays Noah, a young American woman who is an only child whose father is dead and who is alienated from her mother. So she's alone in the world, although she has a terrific relationship with her girlfriend, Molly. We first see her in her car, checking her teeth and making a last minute call to Molly before heading off for a blind, presumably Tinder type date. Mm. She's not even hungry, and you can feel the tension when her date, Chad, passive aggressively criticizes her dress sense and bores her rigid about his acid reflux. You get a real sense that both the film's director, Mimi Cave, remember that name, Mimi Cave, and the screenwriter, Laurent Kahn, have been down this road, and you mm. really feel for Noah. But unlike Kerry Mulligan's Cassandra Thompson in Promising Young Woman, Noah seems more innocent, more vulnerable, but nonetheless a savvy city girl. For heaven's sake, Daisy Edgar-Jones was only 22 when she shot the film. What follows is a series of unexpected revelations in which Minnie Cave and Lauren Kahn twist the rules and expectations of genre cinema. I hate to see this, but you do rather need a strong stomach so this is horror, yes? Oh, you see, but is it? Oh, okay. Well, you you're advising me not to see it, and that's the well, only yeah, genre normally I don't 18. like. But it's more than one genre, and even to say it's horror is maybe giving away too much, mm. because it is so many things intertwined. And I don't even want to tell you, but after... But you do need a strong stomach, okay. You do, you, it's brilliantly mounted, uh, mm. It's a, it's very original in which everybody from the cast to the composer and the cinematographer are at the top of their game. It should make da Daisy Edgar-Jones an international star and be a talking point for years to come. Sebastian Stan is also in it. And considering, well, he, he's currently starring, in, is it Pam and Tommy, the film? Yeah currently, mm, but mm. which is also on Disney+. Plus. And he was starred opposite uh, in I, Tonya, opposite Margot Robbie. And I'm surprised he's not a bigger star, but he's terrific in this. He is in this, and he's very charismatic. It's just an amazing... What I liked about it was I just couldn't guess where it was going. And I just don't want to say any more about it, but just go in. But you, yeah, you should really have a strong stomach. Okay, so, so trust, you, trust you, but Simon Rose shouldn't see it, but everybody Simon else... Simon Rose to. definitely shouldn't see it. <laughs> okay. That's fine, James. But there's another one you want to talk about as well, I think. Well, yeah, uh, and another one I your really room. like. This is called Deep Water. Adrian Lyne hasn't made a film for 20 years, and his new one is exactly like his last one, mm. Unfaithful. Gosh. 
Yes, I remember years. that. That's his Richard Gere? And Diane, La uh, yes. Diane Lane, who got Diane an Oscar Lane. nomination. Yes. Yes. Well, it's not exactly like Unfaithful, but many of the same themes and plot points re-emerge. And so once again, the past master of high-end pulp fiction is back wading into the deep waters of the gender danger zone. This is the director, of course, who made, brought us nine and a half weeks, Fatal Attraction and Indecent Proposal, not to mention Flashdance. And I've always been a fan, and not just because we are distantly related on my maternal great-grandfather's branch of the family. I found him on our family tree. Mm. Like Alan Parker, Tony Scott and Ridley Scott, Agent Lyon emerged from out of the advertising industry making television commercials. In fact, he made one commercial on Milk where Stanley Kubrick was so impressed, he contacted him and wanted to know how he made it. Hmm. Adrian Lyon really does have a terrific eye and his new film, adapted from the 1957 mystery thriller Deep Water by Patricia Highsmith, has his masterful stamp all over it. In the interim, films have got very fast in the last 20 years in order to reflect the age of ADHD. And it's such a pleasure to witness a filmmaker applying his own breaks in order to draw out every note of ambiguity from his scenario. We are on the outskirts of New Orleans. Ben Affleck plays Vic Van Allen, a hugely rich inventor of a drone microchip and has retired to a leisurely life of designing weather apps and admiring his magnificent collection of snails housed <laughs> in his atmospherically controlled man cave. And I learned a lot about snails from this movie. I mean, for instance, one fun fact, you have to starve a snail before you eat it, otherwise it'll poison you. Right, okay. Which I learned from this film. Anyway, in real life, Ben Affleck is now 49, and Vic Van Allen's beautiful, much younger wife, Melinda, is played by... Anna de Armas, who in real life is 33. And in real life, Ben Affleck and Anna de Armas were a real mm -hmm. item for a while until Affleck returned to the arms of his former girlfriend, Jennifer Lopez, last year. Of course, you might remember Anna de Armas from Knives Out, in which she played Christopher Plummer's private nurse. Oh, yes. And every yes, member yes. of the family thinks she's a different type, come from a different South American country. Mm. Yes, yes, I do remember that. Um, and, of course, she played the kick-ass spy who helps out James Bond in the Cuba sequence in No Time to Die. And we're expecting her later this year, also on Netflix, playing Marilyn Monroe in Blonde. She plays a woman who... It, she's so... I don't know. You want to despise her, but she's so attractive and so beautiful, and she has a set of values in direct contrast to her husband's own. And again, I wasn't entirely sure what it was, but I just enjoyed what was going on. And there's a terrific performance from Grace Jenkins as their five-year-old daughter who's worried about her mother. Basically, it's a story of envy. And you're not quite sure if Ben Affleck is joking about the fact that he killed his wife's last lover or if he did not. And I don't want to you, you hear about that very early on in the film. And what drew me into the film, apart from that, it's beautiful to look at. And New Orleans just looks mm. stunning with the Spanish moss and those wonderful buildings. He just takes his own sweet time. And 
there was so much detail in it. And I was trying to work out the dynamic between these two people. I wasn't even realized aware that they were a couple. And it's very interesting how couples behave in private. And I think every couple behaves differently and is unaware how unconventional they are with their own within their own setting when they develop this kind of psychological shorthand. Mm. And I think psychologically, it's a fascinating film. It is pulp fiction, and which you will know from Asian lines, other films. Um, but I think if you like Fatal Attraction and you know what sort of expect, I think he's a, mo a more mature filmmaker now. And I was completely engrossed. And a wonderful performance, too, from Tracy Letts, who never lets oh, yes, yes. us down as a short story writer and uh, aspiring scenarist. So I, I really enjoyed this. And, and, and it's where, good to have Adrian Lyne back. Where did you say this one was screening? Um, Amazon Prime. Amazon I Prime. I didn't. Uh, yeah, I should say that. It's Amazon Prime. Okay, because we don't all have Disney Plus. That's the trouble. You, can, you can't... Well, certainly with the cost of living crisis, you can't really subscribe to all of them. And it's you really disappointing no. when you can't get to see things because they're stuck on one subscription channel and presumably will never go to some of the others. Well, I've been really looking forward to this, Simon, hmm. for nine years because he started working on it nine years ago. <laughs> and I thought, I love Adrian Lyne's stuff. And it's bit, he's a bit of a guilty, bit of a guilty well, pleasure. Glad, so it's I'm finally come out. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. James Cameron Wilson, thank you very much indeed. Um, James has been leading us through the business of film for this week. It sounds as if staying at home in the good weather is a better idea than going to the cinema. James, thank you very much indeed. There'll be more business of film coming up very soon. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You ain't heard nothing yet. Is it safe? We don't need no badges. I don't have to show you any stinking badges. Nobody puts baby in a corner.